From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning, and thank you so much for joining me today. I've been looking forward to this conversation. My guest is Erasema Salcido, an educator who's been recognized nationally for her work to bring the best education to the very poorest students in this country. Erasema's life serves as a testament to the idea that people from humble beginnings can truly defy the odds and achieve the American dream eventually. She's going to tell us that story today. I would love to share with you before we dive in that uh, Erasema's desire to educate the less fortunate really led her into her life's work. And this is a, a work that's been patterned after her role model, Cesar Chavez. She has uh, currently led and founded the Cesar Chavez Charter High School for Public Policy in Washington, D.C., and has opened, um, I believe, is it two or three schools now? Is it three schools now? We have four schools, two middle schools and two high schools. Four middle school, four schools, two middle schools, and two high schools, and her story is one that um, you know. I, I talked with you last week, Arasema, and I have been inspired and thinking about you ever since. Not only for what you've accomplished, but for the passion that you're bringing to it. So I'm very eager to get to that conversation. Welcome to the show this morning. Thank you very, very much. I'm uh, very happy and honored to be part of this show. Well, we're going to just begin, uh, Arasima, by asking you to tell us your story. You know, I mentioned in the beginning that this is sort of the American story, and I think it's one that many people really relate to. But it would be wonderful if you wouldn't mind just giving us um, a bit of your life history and sort of how did, how, how did you get to where you are today? Uh, sure. Um, I was born and raised in Mexico. I'm one of five children, and like many uh, immigrant parents um, or families, my parents came to the United States to work in the fields so they could offer us a better life. I was the youngest one of three at, at the time when they came to the United States, so they left me behind. I was raised by my grandparents, and my two sisters came to be with my mom and dad, and then I had a brother and a sister that were born here. So I was away from my parents for most of my childhood. I was very happy in the small village where I was born in Mexico. At the age of 15, I reunited with my family. It was a very difficult adjustment because I didn't grow up with with my my siblings and also having to learn a brand new language and a new culture. But in reflecting back, I am very 
happy that I was able to come to this country because I have been able to achieve so much. Of course, uh, with many challenges and struggles, uh, because again, like I said to you, having to learn a new language is, is very difficult. Also, because of my parents having to work a lot to support the family, uh, they face challenges as well. Of the five of us, uh, I was the only one that graduated from high school and went on to college. I really felt the obligation to do that because I wanted to make sure my parents were proud of, 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 of me and that they, you know, wanted them to, to feel that their hard work in some ways paid off. So after I graduated from high school, uh, went on to community college, um, it took me longer than, than, than it's typically, at, you know, would take someone because, again, I was working and still learning a new language and went on to four-year College and during my time at community college and, and, and my four-year college, I learned of the need to really help increase the number of minority students going into college. It, it sort of was the first time that I came into contact of you know of how difficult it is for many minorities to first of all to finish high school, let alone those that do finish still go to college and stay and complete. And I guess that's when it, uh, I opened my eyes. I was 17 years old at the time and realized in some ways that it was sort of uh, unfair that that was the situation because, as you can imagine, education is so key for anything you want to accomplish in life. And, and I just felt that I wanted to do something to, to increase those number of minority students going into college. So starting in community college and four-year college, I started working for the Student Affirmative Action Program, and I was an outreach counselor going to high schools, encouraging uh, minority students to roll into college. So after that, I came to D.C. Um, I'm sorry, I went to Massachusetts to continue with my education, um, obtain a master's degree at Harvard University in school administration. And it was then that I realized how huge of a problem uh, it was uh, in public education, and especially in the Hispanic community, the, the large number of young people that were not finishing their education. And, and to me, that, that's when I was convinced that I needed to do more to ensure that, that those numbers, uh, you know, would, would increase and, and that more young people could finish their education. And I guess also being at Harvard getting my master's degree, it, it just... For me, it was just very difficult to understand why in, in our country we have um, a system of public schools that unfortunately are not um, being able to ensure that, that uh, those that are the most in need do get the high-quality education so they can contribute back to this community. So that led me to D.C., um, and, and here I am. Uh, you know, I graduated in 88, started working at a high school here in D.C., run a dropout prevention program, working with those students that had dropped out, tried to get them back into school because, again, we know that in this country it's necessary that one graduates from high school and obtain a a college education. So it was sort of critical to to do whatever we needed to do to make sure that especially those students that dropped out to get back. So I, I did that for three years and then six more years as an assistant principal. And in 1997, I learned that D.C. had passed a law to uh, allow charter schools to exist in the District of Columbia. And for the first time, I, I felt that this was sort of my, my opportunity to make my dream come true, meaning if I could open my own school and I can make it college prep, then I can ensure that every young person that came to my school would go on to college because that was essential, that was necessary. 
you know, for, for those opportunities for every young person in this country. So I opened my first school in 1998, and the Cesar Chavez schools have a focus on public policy because I also felt that who better than young people that live in the communities that are most in need to really know what needs to be done to improve their lives and their communities, so the quality education and the resources that are needed so every young person can have opportunities, could be there in their community. So that's been a long journey. It's, that was 98. Now we have four schools uh, and, and serve 1,400 students here in the District of Columbia. Mm, thank you very much for telling that story. You know, it's fascinating to hear you tell your story, Irasema, um, because um, you make it sound in a way so um, not exactly easy, but sort of one thing leading to another. And yet, this is a story of coming as a teenager to a new country, um, reuniting with your family, learning a new language, pursuing advanced education as well as education in order to prepare yourself to do this work. And often, you know, as I listen to your story, I hear the story of someone who um, has done things that no one else was doing. So you, you haven't just inherited, um, you know, a job necessarily. You've actually created out of your own experience. And so my question really is, um, you know, it's one thing to tell the story. My question is, what's it been like to live this story? Um, it's been extremely difficult. Uh, as you can imagine, um, not having the preparation, especially the academic preparation to be successful in school or in college, it does require that you make the extra effort. I can tell you graduating from high school and college, it was not easy for me, especially because I had to work at the same time. So the long hours, the frustration, sometimes the doubts that I would be able to make it, I think what kept me going is knowing that it was not only for me that I was doing this, as I mentioned before to you with my parents, but also it was really important to me to achieve the goals I set out for myself because in many ways I felt I was sending a message to others with the same background as mine that it can't be done. And to be honest with you, because it was so difficult, uh, when I was at Harvard getting my master's degree, I I didn't think I was going to make it. And Again, what kept me going is to say, you know, I, I have to, I have to do this I, so I can do more. And realizing that the experience I was having, where I was not prepared and I had to struggle so much, that was sort of my motivation to say, no young person in America should have to get to where I am and not be able to handle the work. And that's when I realized that if I was going to spend my life doing something, I had to do it in K through 12 because that's where it all happens, Uh, you know, and that's why it's critical that we do whatever we can to make sure that every child in our country get the best K-12 education, because that, at the end of the day, is what opens the doors to have more people, especially like myself, to be able to achieve their goals and dreams so they can do the very things that I'm doing, so they can contribute to better our society, and we have to make sure we don't leave them behind, so to speak. So... Like I said, it was very difficult academic-wise. It was very difficult to leave my family back in California and be all alone in Massachusetts trying to do the work that I was doing and then uh, coming to D.C., but I was lucky that the coming to D.C. is because uh, I got married and was here with my husband, and I'm also the mama of five beautiful children. So all those things 
as you can imagine, working, being a mom, again, what kept me going is really having to work day and night, so to speak, and, and the motivation for me, again, uh, is knowing that what I was doing was necessary, knowing that what I was doing, it was just going to offer other young people like myself the opportunities that I didn't really have, per se, you know, the high-quality um, education in, in elementary. Even when I came to this country, those years of high school were not really – I was memorizing most of the stuff. I was not really learning enough or really getting the foundation I needed for college, and that's why college was so hard for me. So what kept me going during the times that I had to learn a lot of the stuff that I'm doing sort of on the job, so to speak, because as you can imagine – uh, supervising teachers is not an easy thing to do when I was, uh, uh, you know, where I got my training at the high school that I work here here in D.C. That was hard to do. Uh, making sure that the students that were in that school were successful and addressing all their needs that they had, especially when I was as a dropout prevention coordinator, making sure that a lot of our students um, could, could come back to school and there was a lot of other things preventing them, whether it was being young parents or being, you know, not having a place to stay or not having adults to care for them and, and, and be, you know, being in a place where there was a lot of uh, other challenges. Uh, it, it was really hard to have to do that work, but knowing that it was necessary. And then deciding to open my own school and start from scratch, literally create the school. And putting all that together, uh, it was hard work, you know, and still very hard work to make sure that the work that we do we, we achieve our goals, and it's looking for the people that align with your vision, is putting the infrastructure in place, raising the money, you know, and when you're not achieving your goals, humble yourself and get up and keep going and asking for help. It just, you just keep going, and, and you have to have the bigger picture in mind. You have to know that everything you do does affect the lives of people, and especially the, the lives of the young people of this country that are going to be our future leaders. Well, thank you. I knew that. I knew that. You know, that I feel sometimes um, as, as contemplating your story that uh, just as a story with so many layers of experience, and I know that we could probably just spend the entire hour peeling back those layers and learning from everything that you've learned. You know, I, we're going to take a break in literally a minute, but I wanted to ask you if a young person came to you and maybe was contemplating dropping out or was doubting that they could do the hard work to get ahead. Can you just briefly tell us what your message would be based on your own experience of hardship? Sure. Um, I, I think the first thing you need to do is show that young person that you care and that you're willing to listen. And when they know that you care and you're willing to listen, then they believe you. And once they look up to you and, and understand that you, your priority is them and what they're going through, then I think you can then uh, use yourself as an example. It's not enough to say, well, I did it. You should be able to do it. It's, it's the number one thing is, again, that when you're having the conversation with a young person that is contemplating dropping out, they need to know that you understand. They need to know mm-hmm. you're listening to their story and if they know that, that they're willing to, to listen to what you have to say and, and respect your, your, your opinion and, and, and do the things that, that you recommend they do. 
Well, that's a great answer. And, you know, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, I'd love to just dive more into the work that you've been doing in, the, in your schools and hear some more examples of the kinds of advice and wisdom that, um, that you and your teachers are sharing with students there, community members are. So we'll be right back. This is Kate Ebner. You're listening to Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. You're listening to Kate Ebner. That's me and my guest today. Iracema Salcido as we talk about her extraordinary mission to bring excellent education to kids in resource-poor communities. You know, over the course of her career, Iracema has received honors and awards. Some of them include being designated by the Caring Institute as one of the six most caring citizens in, in the United States in 1999. She's been selected by the U.S. Department of Education to speak on a panel entitled titled Charter Schools, New Choices in Public Education. She's been named Principal of the Year from the Charter School Resource Center. She has received the Use Your Life Award from Oprah Winfrey's Angel Network for her dedication to the students of the Cesar Chavez Schools. In 2003, she presented a paper at the Cato Institute on the first five years of the schools that she founded, and this was later published. Um, Her commitment to the education of underprivileged youth is certainly evident in all of her work and her collaboration. She is a not only a school leader and an educator, but also I think a thought leader and someone who's really uh, helping us see options where perhaps we have not seen them before. So with no um, more preamble, um, Irasema, I want to get back to our conversation and I would love if you could tell us a bit more about um, the schools that you founded and I'd love to just start with the question of, you know, for our listeners who may not know very much about uh, your hero, uh, Cesar Chavez, could you just tell us a little bit about him and, and why you've named your schools after him? Sure. Um, as we all know, he fought for justice uh, and fair treatment of um, migrant workers. Uh, and to me, that was very inspirational because, as I mentioned earlier, my parents and I even myself worked in the fields. Um, so I understand 
conditions that uh, many uh, migrant workers have to work under and to have someone like Cesar Chavez that understood what they were going through and using our own um, system or, or ideals of this country where we want to have everyone be treated equally and we want to see uh, fair treatment and equal opportunity. He used that to really bring awareness to our country that something needed to be done and the way he went about it, organizing the farm workers themselves was very inspirational to me because at the end of the day, all of us have to take ownership of um, changing our, our own circumstances. And many times we have to remind those that make the decisions that uh, those are the ideals of our country, that we were founded with the belief that we are all created equal and that we are all entitled for, you know, to have liberty, freedom, and, and happiness. And, and that means you want to make sure that uh, we citizens have um, the resources that we need uh, for, you know, to be successful and to provide for our families. So I wanted our students, when I opened my school, to understand that regardless uh, who they were, that they um, can make great things happen just like Cesar Chavez did in the movement that he created and the way he organized uh, farm workers and really um, inspired the, 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 the citizens of our country to join on, on the work that he was doing because we all saw that that was the right thing to do. And I, I believe that if I can instill that in our young people, that they are going to be able to also make great things happen, especially in communities that are the most in need, which are the communities where we work. And to me, it's just very fulfilling to see that work play out when our students um, are having to write uh, public policy thesis before they graduate. They're required to do a 15 to 20 page paper on identifying a problem they care about and um, researching the policies that um, already exist and being able to um, analyze those policies and create their own if, if necessary or propose better ways to address whatever the problem is, whether it's dropout problem, whether it's pollution, whether it's AIDS, whether it's, you know, gang problem, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's just, again, very uh, moving to see that they have a lot of solutions that they believe can make their community better and that they're eager to, to share those. And our job is to prepare them so as they move on and become adults or go on to college, they understand that they have the obligation to, you know, help us live up to those ideals that our country, you know, promised all of us and to be able to engage in activities and discussions and, and, and be able to contribute from their perspective how certain policies can can work better to be able to provide better education or job opportunities or whatever whatever needs to happen in, in communities so that all citizens, regardless of their background, all children, regardless of where they were born, can have access to, to, to the opportunities to achieve their dreams. Well, thank you um, for sharing that explanation and, and uh, very articulate uh, perspective. One of the things that's jumping, you know, to the front for me today as I'm listening to you is your 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 faith, really, in young people. And I love the 
comment you made earlier about um, the schools being public policy schools because who better than the young people of today to consider the public policies that are needed for the world in which they live and, and which they are inheriting. You know, and, and I love that um, directness of your commitment to empowering young people to, to contribute, as, as you just said. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a story, Irasema, about um, maybe a story about uh, an example of a, a young person you've seen um, benefit from the work of your schools, or maybe it's a, a community that you want to talk about. Sure. Um, I have uh, many that I'm thinking about right now. Um, maybe I can just share with you some of the things that are, are, are happening right now in terms of our students wanting to make changes in their community. So, for example, um, we have a student that really cares about the dropout problem. He has a lot of friends that have dropped out, and he understands how critical it is that we do something about making sure that, especially um, African-American males, we unfortunately have so many of them that are dropping out and not completing their education. And a lot of, of the 1,400 students in our schools but 80% are African-American students. And I can tell you that each one of them have dreams and aspirations and want to achieve their very highest, and sometimes their circumstances that get in the way and it doesn't allow them to, to continue on. And we're seeing, again, um, more than, than, than we would like to see, you know, um, not completing their education. But this particular student was telling me that something needed to be done because he felt that if we don't do something that um, his friend, you know, every day that passes uh, is, you know, that friend, it's getting further and further away from uh, having the opportunities to achieve his, you know, his goals. So he told me that he really felt that what needed to be done is find a way to make sure that we, if it's necessary to send, you know, the students that drop out of school to a place where they're required to be there by law and not let them, you know, leave that place, that he felt it was critical to do that because otherwise leaving them out in the street and not be able to get them back to finish their education will be a huge, you know, huge um it will affect that future greatly. And, of course, the student understood that what he was saying was difficult to do. But I think what, what that showed me is that a lot of our students are think out of the box. A lot of our students understand that whatever we're doing is not working and that we have to be willing to be thinking of uh, other measures that really rescue, so to speak. In this case, you could say he was thinking of how to rescue his friend and others that he knows that are our not in school, that are not completing their education, and he understands what will that mean for the life of, of that friend that he has. So just to give you an example of, of, mm-hmm. of students and, and their thinking process on what needs to be done and his desire to, he's, he's writing a thesis on that very topic, and, and you know, he's going to, again, try to propose, you know, out-of-the-box um, um, you know, uh, recommendations to solve a very huge problem in our country. So, again, this is just one example of a lot of uh, 
the topics that our students are addressing because they feel that, you know, something needs to be done. They even, you know, one of our students is doing something on the veterans and the problem with veterans, veterans being homeless. And to me, to see that passion and, and wanting to just for, for this student, it's one of our female students, Bernice, she, she just cannot comprehend why is it that we're not doing enough to help our, our veterans that are homeless and is thinking of ways that she's going to propose what needs to be done. So as you can imagine, when you have a school where young people feel empowered, where they feel that they can do something about what's going on around them, that's very empowering. And for me to see that day in and day out as I walk into the classrooms, as I talk to my students about their thesis and what problem they're trying to solve, and their confidence that they're going to be able to do that. And, and in many ways, when I opened the school and I wanted to focus our, our school in, you know, in public policy, I understood that if the students have a passion, just like I did, to solve a problem in their community, that they were going to work very hard, then suddenly their education had a different meaning. That suddenly them finishing high school and going on to college has a different purpose when they realize that it's not just to get a degree and be able to make more money, but suddenly is using that education to solve the problems in their community. And our students are very, very aware of the many challenges in their community. And, you know, we've been able in 15 years get to the point where we have created a school where adults um, work very hard and, and have you know, high expectations for our students, where our students believe in themselves and they're having to, you know, um, set high goals. But it took us a long time to get here, you know. Um, again, as you know, the problem in our country in educating young people that, are, that live in urban communities uh, has been very challenging. And thankfully, now that we have charter schools, it gives the opportunity to, you know, uh, through public education, make sure that our students have options and, you know, of the schools that they attend and also allowing the charter schools that for results that we have to produce, we also can, can have the flexibility to do other things that per perhaps within the traditional schools uh, you can't do. But at the end of the day, regardless, we as a country need to do a better job to making sure that every young person gets to the point where we are here at Chavez, meaning providing a safe learning environment for our students where they feel that if we teach them not only the academic skills they need to go on to college, but also emphasize the nowadays, especially where our country is, how important it is that they understand the foundations of our country. They understand the challenges that we have had all along, but also that they walk away knowing that anything's possible, that right. we, you know, Yes. About a revolution that we thought we would not win, and we did, and we formed our own country and republic, and mm -hmm. we had all these um, ideals that uh, at first couldn't leave them leave up to them uh, at the beginning, and and but we could hold on to those words that we were all created equal, and that we were all entitled to freedom and and liberty and and you know pursuit of happiness, and that that's what keeps us going. And I want our students to understand that. That meant them as well, because many of them. Erasima, yeah, we're gonna we're going to take a break right now, and um, you know I I'm listening to you, and I'm I'm really just um, usually 
I'm interrupting so much more, but I think what you're saying is powerful and important. And you're saying something that we really need to to digest. Um, you know, for those listening, what's fascinating to me about Erasema's work is that she's not just working at the programmatic level to change the classes and the programs within the schools. She's working at the systems level to change the system that potentially can then change the outcomes for so many young people. This is a very, very important distinction. We're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we want to talk more about what you're doing and your vision. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network the bottom line in business. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Thank you for joining me today. This is Kate Ebner and... You know, as I'm having this conversation today, I, I'm wishing we had a whole day to dedicate to this topic and to this leader. Um, Erasema, you have been giving us such a such a big picture and such an important view, you know, not only at the student level, but sort of at the school level. Um, you know, your own story, a story of um, coming here at 15 years old, um, the daughter of Mexican immigrant farm workers, of learning a new language, of gaining an education, and of seeing how your life is in so many ways a, a, a portal or a pathway for so many others, and you've turned around and dedicated yourself to um, creating schools that make possible for others the experiences that you've had and hopefully make it easier. So as we dive back into our conversation, I want to invite you to um, to just uh, comment on my last remark. I was really talking about um, a distinction about your leadership, really, that you're moved beyond programmatic, that you're really working at the systems level. Um, does that resonate with you? Uh, yes. and, and uh, Because to me, at the end of the day, um, in order to make sure that our young people are successful, is not only what you're able to do within the school. You have to be willing to go outside of the school and understand that our young people need to grow up in communities that are healthy, meaning that there are communities where there's the resources they need to be successful. So, for example, on one of our campuses, our Parkside 
campus that has 700 students, uh, middle and high school. In that community, uh, three years ago, I felt that in order to get better results, I needed to work with the two elementary schools in that community, which are their traditional schools. Uh, but at the end of the day, we served the same families. It didn't matter that we were a charter school and there were traditional schools. We felt we needed to work together. And when I went to the principals, they shared with me that they were getting three- and four-year-olds that were not prepared. That's when we felt that even as the three schools working together was not going to be enough if we really wanted to address the, the root of the problem, meaning that until we invest in communities like the communities where many of our, our students grow up, it will be difficult to see that every young person or every child in a particular community that has many challenges would ever have uh, the opportunities and be able to reach their goals. So we started... So moving beyond the walls of the school out into the community. So that work led to us applying for a planning grant for a Promised Neighborhood uh, grant with the federal government, and we were one of 21 in the whole country two years ago that received that grant, which allowed us to spend an entire year working with the leaders in the community, the schools in the community. It helped us think of ways that we were going to bring the best of the best resources into that community because you have to address safety, health, uh, you have to address all the other factors that get in the way many times of our young people coming ready to learn. So now because of that work, we have a brand new um, child care center that uh, serves zero to five, uh, age of care, which is... Uh, you know, top-of-the-line uh, child care center, and then from there the students will go to one of the elementary schools in our school and, and then our high school. So we literally have created a pipeline of sort of what that Promise Neighborhood idea is that it's a cradle-to-college-to-career um, uh, continuum that you commit in a community to, to, to be responsible to ensuring that the young people in that community have what they need. So you, you're right. So let's, I, let me slow you down right there. That was a, that was good, what you just said. So I want to just repeat that for people listening. Cradle to college to, to career, career. Hmm? and community, right? So we'll throw another C in there. A community that supports cradle to college to career success. Correct. That's that's very powerful idea. And, you know, as we're talking about this, I'm curious about a couple of things. One is you make it, you know, again, you tend to, you know, I don't say if I were your coach, I would point out to you that you, 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 you tend to focus on moving forward and, and um, yet what you're doing is so significant that I just want to keep slowing you down. And, and where, where I'm stuck at the moment is that you sort of say things like, well, I went into the school and I talked to them and before you knew it, we had community um, uh, you know, child center created. How do you persuade people to get involved? What's the key? It's, it's not difficult to do. I think um, those of us that are doing this job, uh, educators and others, understand. We, we can pick up the statistics and understand how much we need to do in communities like the ones that I work on. So it's it's not difficult to convince someone that the need is there. I, I think what encouraged many foundations and, and, and organizations to partner for the Promise Neighborhood Initiative that is that 
for the first time, at least uh, for me, uh, we have federal um, grants that require that you produce results. Not that they didn't require before, but I think because we understand more and more that if we're going to invest resources, we have to be able to achieve certain goals. So for us, with the Primus Neighborhood, there's, there's 10 goals that we have to achieve, five academic, five family. So we have to demonstrate that we're going to be able to track our data, that we're going to be able to show that we're getting the results. And that's inspiring. Whether foundations, whether partners, they want to join because they all understand that they cannot get the work done on their own. If they're doing, you know, a program for pre-K or if they're doing a tutoring program just for middle schools or if they bring in health, uh, you, know, nutri- you know, classes on nutrition for parents and their young ones, they understand that coming together to make sure we address the continuum and all of us committing to getting results is a better way of going about it. So when you explain to people the need is here, no doubt that the need is here, but here's the way we're structuring for us to deliver the services so we can ultimately make sure that every young person that lives in the Parkside Kinderworth community will enter kindergarten ready to learn, will be successful in school and have the resources they need, mentors, additional academic support, will go on to high school and graduate and enroll in college and then be prepared for a career, people understand that that's it. We have, there's no other option. We have to provide the resources to achieve that ultimate goal. Okay. So when you describe the continuum, as you're calling it, um, and you match it with a commitment to results, to measurable outcomes, you know, to, you know, to be able to track and be accountable for making it happen. Um, that's, you know, incredibly compelling. And I, I can, I can understand how people can trust this process and this vision. And, you know, we have, um, another break coming up in three minutes, but I wonder if this would be a good time for you to share with us, um, Irisema, your vision. And when I say your vision, I mean a description of a, of a desirable future, a future that you can see that you really would love for the rest of us to see. Sure. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, well, I, as you can imagine, describing the work I do here at Chavez, describing the work with the Promise Neighborhood Initiative, I see us being able to transform our own students that attend our schools to be the ones that are making decisions about the future of their communities, either as mayors or as public policy, you know, um, working in public policy so they can be the ones writing the policies that are necessary to make improvements in the community. I see our students doing that, and I cannot wait uh, because, again, it's about preparing young people to be the next leaders and contribute back. So no doubt that I see that in the future, and, and I've already seen some of that. But also with the Promise Neighborhood Initiative is literally transforming that community, which is uh, about 5,700 residents, 2,000 of those are children, I see 10, 20 years from now having a community where many of the parents will want to come and live there because the resources are there, because we have the highest quality of schools in that community, because we have access to stores, access to what you would want any 
family in any part of a country to, to have in their communities to raise their children. There's a lot of work to be done because there's a lot of challenges with unemployment and, and, you know, you can go on and on with the statistics, the childbirth rates and, and all of those things that we need to eradicate in order to create that community where the children need mm-hmm. to be and, and achieve their dreams and goals. Well, that is certainly compelling, a vision of a, a world in which the young people who you're teaching today and, and whom are part of uh, the future that we're all creating together are the policymakers, you know, who are really bringing the change to their neighborhoods and communities such that their parents and families and new parents and families would want to be a part of those communities. That is a very exciting vision, and, um, and I'm delighted that you had a chance to express it. Again, we have so much to talk about. We're going to take a break right now. This is Kate Ebner, and we'll be back right after this break. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. We're winding down our hour with a powerful conversation with Arisema Salcido, who is the CEO of the Chavez Schools here in Washington, D.C. And uh, we've been talking right before the break, Arisema, about your vision. And is there anything else? I know sometimes uh, one more thought occurs about about a vision of the future. Is there anything you want to, to add or, or say in response to you know reflecting on your own vision? Yes, I, I, as I mentioned to you, um, what I believe is really important is that our young people can be the next leaders and, and change, um, you know, our, our, solve our problems. So, again, we can continue to live up to, to our founding principles. And one of the things that I hope or would like to see in the future is to find more and more ways for students of different backgrounds to, to, to interact um, right now, um, what we see 
is really still um, segregation, meaning that a lot of our schools, uh, depending on the location, um, means that you you have, um, you know, they're segregated, and 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 it's not by law done on purpose. It's just where where people live. But I do believe that if in the future we're going to solve a lot of the problems that confront us, it's going to be when you have young people of different backgrounds having Mm -hmm. more and more opportunities to come together to be able to solve problems together. And I hope that we'll find more ways to do that. Um, Even in our own schools, I want to think of how uh, we can have opportunities to have our students interact with with students of of other backgrounds because I think that's essential to, to our future. That's a that's a very important point. Um, thank you very much for adding that. You know, I uh, had the opportunity to speak with you last week, and we were talking about this conversation today. And you told me that you had been to one of your schools. Um, the, I think I think that very day or the day before, and that you were really uh, moved almost to tears, uh, Irasema, by what you saw happening in the school, especially given how hard. It has been over 15 years to really make the deep progress that's been made. Can you just share with us um, some of the things you notice that are different now than they were a few years ago, just signs of the progress that give you heart? Sure. Um, I so much enjoy walking into the schools now uh, compared to the times when we were trying so hard to make sure that every school was a school where students can walk in and know that we care and had high expectations and that the rigor was going to be there and that they had the confidence for their future. And that really takes time, especially in, 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 in urban schools. But for me, this year especially, I'm beginning to see the, the work paid off and the way I see that again as I walk into any of the schools, I cannot wait. And I cannot wait to go into the classrooms to see our students. And that particular day that I shared with you, I went to, to two schools two classes. One, it was our AP history class where students were debating whether we should continue to have historically black colleges. And it was just fascinating to see that debate and how rigorous the debate was and how their just way of thinking, critical thinking, it was just, and to me, it showed me that we're able to now provide the classrooms with teachers that challenge our students to think critically and that they are demonstrating that every day. Same, I walked into a a thesis class where students were presenting their research on the issues that they want to solve in PowerPoint presentations and to see, again, the the students do that and the teachers being um, so just supportive in in pushing the students. It was amazing, especially that day because unfortunately that same day we had had really sad news of one of our students passing in our senior class that she she would have been with that class was devastated. But last week also was um, exams. And to see the students, as hard as it was to be there, understanding that it was really important to be strong and be there so they could take their exams because now they see how important it is that they do well in school. And, and, and if it would have been two or three years ago, that would have not been the case. You know, we, we, we would have probably, some of our students would have, uh, you know, missed school or, or, or those kinds of things. And, again, 
those are actions that when I see tells me that everything we're doing, you know, our wonderful teachers, our principals, they're creating that environment for students to believe that they can achieve everything they, 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 they want. And, again, I hear that every day. I hear our students saying, I want to go to MIT. I want to go to Harvard. I know what it takes, but I know I can do it. And you can only make those comments when you know that you're being pushed, when you know that the adults in your schools and the schools believe in you and they're pushing you. And, again, it took us a long time to get there because it, it just imagine you're creating schools from scratch mm-hmm. with so many challenges from students mm-hmm. not receiving the foundation and coming prepare. A lot of the teachers not have had enough experience in those communities or principals. So it took us a long time, again, to provide the support for teachers and, and to build capacity with our principals. But we're starting to see those results. And I cannot wait again to see our students um, really achieve their dreams and, and go on to competitive colleges and come back and make their communities better. Well, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking with you really about how how can we all help and I want to ask you to tell us you know what kind of support do you need from others to support you and your work your vision and the students you're describing and the teachers you're describing the communities you're describing well as, as you definitely one one way is you're hearing our story we want people to be ambassadors of the work that we do, meaning that this work can be done and that it's important work. And to, uh, you know, to also be able to partner with us, being a public policy school means we want individuals that come and speak to our students. We want organizations to provide opportunities for fellowships because part of their public policy curriculum, every one of our students has to do a fellowship in a public policy institution. We, you know, we're a college prep school, so we always are looking for... Uh, opportunities to visit colleges, to pay for us to take our students on tours to colleges. So there's always help that we need that. And ultimately, to be able to do the work we do and pay our teachers, uh, provide them with professional development, to do the public policy part, all that requires financial resources. And we're also trying to build a gym. And our goal for this year is to raise a million dollars. We are already raised a third of it. We have people that believe in our mission and our commitment, and I will definitely appreciate anyone that has, you know, the opportunity to volunteer or to help financially. This is how we do this work, and we go above and beyond, um, you know, to make sure that our students are successful. So definitely um, we'll encourage people to visit our website or to call me directly at, uh, uh, and I, if it's okay, I can, I can give my number. But, yes, uh, So it's 202-210-8237. Uh, we can, we need to do this work together and we appreciate uh, the, 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 the help and assistance of, of anyone that um, wants to know more about the work we do and, and wants to help us achieve our, our work. Well, thank you for sharing that. And just say the number one more time in case sure. somebody didn't had to get a piece sure. of paper or something. No problem. It's 202 210 mm-hmm. 8237. And 8237. we have uh, three schools here in Washington, D.C. And um, with our public policy focus, we depend on, on, on speakers and opportunities for fellowships and, you know, um, the college prep and people that have graduated from college to come and, and speak with our students. So they understand that anything's possible. So we definitely welcome all that help. 
Well, you know, I want to say thank you to you for being with us today, Irisema. This has been just uh, such a, an important conversation, I feel, for, for me and I think for our listeners, too. And hearing about your life, hearing about your work, hearing about the students and the teachers and the communities, you're engaging in your vision. And um, maybe it causes us to, to pause and think about the difference that we're making. And I know that, you know, one of the things um, Cesar, Cesar Chavez is quoted as saying is that our ambitions must be broad enough to include the aspirations and needs of others for their sakes and for our own. And that is certainly the way your life is being lived. I want to say thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Kate. I appreciate the opportunity. Have a great week. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.